Welcome to episode 12 of the Creative Wellbeing Podcast, a series of real and raw conversations supporting the connection with your unique creative voice to inspire a fulfilling and beautiful life. I'm Jess Fitzgibbon, a musician, writer, and creative mentor. Today, I'm answering some questions from my community around my creative process and journey, specifically around my music. A month ago, I released my debut single, Memory, under my artist name, Self Division. This was a pretty monumentous moment for me after many years of behind-the-scenes work to get to this point. So I hope that by sharing some of my ideas and process today, it can be of some support or inspiration to you in your own work and life. So this is my third solo episode and I thought it'd be fun to sort of open up the conversation today. I've been getting a lot of questions around my music after releasing my debut single a month ago. I think it was literally a month today that I released it because I got an email from Spotify this morning saying, you've had this many listens. I've had like over 5,000 listens. I don't really know what to do with that information. Like... Numbers are such an easy way to get stuck in comparison and weird ideas about success. So I sort of just try and not think about that stuff. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I, I put the question out to my community. Do you have any questions for me that you want to answer, want me to answer on this podcast? I have to say this feels pretty self indulgent sitting here answering questions about myself. (laughs) But I know I really enjoy hearing people's creative process and what goes on behind the scenes because it's all very well like seeing the finished product and, oh, isn't that nice? But there's – I don't think there's enough conversation around process and – kind of the the light and dark of creating as well. So anyway, I'm going to get stuck in. I've got actually heaps of questions. I wasn't expecting this many. So I'm just going to answer them as I go. I really haven't organized them at all. I haven't thought about them. I'm just going to answer them on the spot very intuitively. So the first question, what does the name self-division mean? How did you come up with it? So making an artist name is really hard. I don't know for people who have done that before, like creating a, in quotation marks, brand feels quite strange and and separate from self. Um, I didn't want to just use my name because I feel I want to be able to explore different parts of myself through the music and play with character, play with Um, different concepts and not have it limited by who I am as Jessica Fitzgibbon. (laughs) I don't know, that might sound weird, but I definitely wanted to have like a stage persona or artist's name to separate myself a little bit from the work because the work isn't me. I'm creating it, but it's just an expression of myself and I'll probably go into this in another question, but you're sort of acting as a channel or a vessel and you're, when you're creating, you're working with the greater world, be that past influences, 
things in the present moment, experiences. I also really tap into a place of stillness. So yeah, I didn't want to just put it down to me as an individual because it's not just me involved in this process. And self-division really represented the idea of lots of different parts of myself coming to the creative process and just allowing them to be there. I feel like we have so many parts in us that contradict each other. I know I often feel in this place of ambivalence over things and it's just about seeing all the parts and letting them express themselves. And um, yeah, I think when I listen to other people's music or see other people's art or even just hear someone in conversation, I see parts of myself in what they're saying. And I hope that my music creates the same sort of mirror for the audience and for the listeners, that they can see parts of themselves in the stories or in the music or in the feeling of something. So that's that question. How did I come up with it? I literally have been stuck on it for probably years, you know, like it's always been in the back of my mind that I need a stage name or an artist name. I prefer that artist name. And I gave myself a day, like I got to the point recently where I needed I needed it because I was about to release music and it became like, okay, this needs to get done. So I gave myself a day. I brainstormed heaps of different names and sort of like piecing things together. Like I had the idea of self-portrait and then I really loved the um, the band Joy Division and the name of that. And it sort of like came together, self-division and then the meaning behind it made sense to me as well. So that's how I came up with it, giving myself a deadline. <laughs> um, next question. What are your favorite parts about writing music and creating? So... And then, I don't know, that's quite a big question. There's another question I might tie into that, which is um, what does it feel to be an artist? I think that's a question further down I've got, which I really liked. Um, yeah, what does being an artist feel like? So I might put those two together. So claiming the word artist is a new thing for me. I used to call myself a musician back when I studied music. Um, I stopped calling myself a musician in my mid-20s because I felt that I was in another career altogether and I wasn't spending enough time on my music and it was almost like, I don't deserve that title anymore. And it's taken me a lot to actually reclaim the, the title or the label artist. It can be quite loaded because people have different expectations on what an artist looks like. Um, but how it feels to be an artist is just very, like when I read that question, I felt this warmth in my heart. And it's a feeling of um, being very honest and authentic and just living life essentially. Like there's no separateness. There's not, this is my work that I go to and do and it's separate from me and <clears throat> like I have to put on a different hat altogether. Like again, we've all got different parts of us. So yes, when I show up for my music, I am using different parts of who I am to who I would be if I show up, I don't know, to have a conversation with someone like a doctor. <laughs> like you are always using different parts of self, but 
every day now I feel like an artist because I'm living everything I do is supporting the creative expression and creative expression isn't just sitting down to do work on music or writing or whatever it's listening to music in the day it's having a bath like I had a bath this morning (laughs) I go for walks I cook and the way I cook is very intentional and like I really enjoy the food that I cook for myself um the way I communicate to people in the day it's all creative it's all artistry and it just feels like my life um so what it feels like to be an artist to me is just very myself and I've always said this about art for me it's about living life and documenting it so the way I live the things I'm doing the things I'm seeing what I'm observing what I'm experiencing I then just document that in a song or in a writing piece or in a photo or however a collage however I feel I want to express that day and then one of my favorite parts about writing music and creating it's that I can bring all of myself to a medium that almost like it kind of transcends the experience so you have an experience so let's say I go out and have a date with someone and it's really fun I then sometimes get inspired maybe months later maybe a day later to write about it like there's little pieces of the memory that were really interesting to me like oh I really liked walking through the graveyard and talking about sex for example (laughs) because there's this like juxtaposition between life and death and that idea will come to me and I'll start working on a piece around it and a real life experience starts transferring and going on its own journey of um, a different story altogether so I really love the My favorite parts about writing music and creating is combining real life and letting it become abstract and sort of go on its own journey and become bigger than what it is. It sort of transcends the experience and it can also work in the reverse. So something very, very simple can become a thing of absolute beauty. Like how many paintings have you seen of flowers in a vase, but it doesn't mean like it's a very simple thing to paint but it's extremely beautiful and the simplicity transcends itself so it's sort of the same way I live everything I do I try and be super present in and in itself that is like part of the art (laughs) probably sounds so wanky so yeah that's that um what have been some challenges in creating your music and how did you overcome them the biggest challenge with creating my music is myself. (laughs) It's my mind and the way it tells stories and um, the way it tries to limit me essentially, which is fear. So the challenge has been working on observing the mind, noticing what's coming up, questioning it being curious about it allowing it to be there and then sort of 
pushing myself out of my comfort zone again and again and again and again and doing things that feel uncomfortable and holding space for discomfort. So that's the biggest challenge around creativity for me. Um, Everything comes from that. It's not about, oh, I don't have the skills to, like before my excuse was, oh, I'm too busy at work or like I'm, I'm spending too much time with the wrong stuff or I don't have the skill level to do this. Like I just see that all as an excuse that the mind is using as a blocker because it's scared of being great. <laughs> There's this really great, great quote from this um, kind of, I guess she's a spiritual leader called Marianne Williamson. I'll um, put it in the show notes, but it talks about we're actually most afraid of our power and our light and our potential for greatness we're really scared of what that could mean and that's what kind of stops us from doing a lot of stuff the fear of that the fear of expansion so yeah it's just about like overcoming all the the limited beliefs that the mind um presents and that's a whole can of worms (laughs) um I had a friend ask me, do you write music out of a piece of writing? Not meaning your lyrics, but maybe a state, tone or story, writing like in your journal. And there's another question that sort of ties in with that from someone else. What inspires you to write? Um, And then another question that sort of links into how do you sense when a song is ready to be born through you? So, yeah, my journaling every morning is sort of like how I deal with my mind essentially. So what I said earlier about um, the mind being my biggest challenge, I have a lot of strategies in keeping that mind in check and journaling is one way of doing that. Every morning I, I kind of brain brain dump on the page and get out all the worries and the fears and the stress and the questions and the, you know, that kind of it starts that way and then it, can become quite inspired but no I don't usually write music out of the journaling the journaling's more of a um a brain dump like I just said and then music what inspires me to write is it always comes from a state of presence so that could be a choice I can choose to go and sit down at the piano and get really still look out the window and start writing (laughs) you literally just start doing stuff or it can happen where you're out in the world and you're inspired by something and something pops through into your field I don't want to say mind because it's not really of the mind it kind of comes through as if you're like a channel and this idea or this vision or this like indication of something comes in and it again comes in when you're very present so you might be like in nature or out doing something really fun or walking that's why people have a lot of ideas in the shower because you're sort of in that um you're in your body you're kind of present well a lot of people aren't I knew I didn't used to be that present in the shower my my brain would be running 50 miles an, an hour but for creative ideas to come through, like what inspires me to write is um, sometimes it's a feeling of actual the inspiration comes to me and other times 
I've been filling up my cup by doing all of these things and I, it flows over. I'm like, I really want to sit down at the piano today. And it's because I'm like feeling so full of like inspiration. I think that's when we go on holidays, we're just seeing all these different things and we're inspired. It really makes us want to write poetry or write a song or listen to music if we're not in a creative space, you know, just to connect with something. So, yeah, that's how I kind of sense when a song's ready to be born. It's it's not really um, – it can be spontaneous, but it's also a lot of the time an intentional decision to go and sit down and write. Next question, what's the story behind memory? And another question that sort of ties into this, can you explain the use of mirrors in the memory video? So memory I wrote as the last song – on a songwriting week that I scheduled. So it was really funny. It was last year I'd sort of been speaking to this person about potentially working for them and I just had this freak out moment where I was like, oh, my God, I don't want to go back into marketing and end up back where I was. Like I'm really wanting to continue my creative work. And I sort of made this excuse up because I'd set up the meeting and everything and then I just totally backtracked and I just said to him, sorry, like an opportunity's come up with my music. Um, so I won't be able to kind of continue the discussions, but, you know, really appreciate you meeting with me. And I was like, well, I better like make an opportunity happen then. (laughs) So I like decided I was living in my apartment in Alexandria. My dad was traveling and I just said to mom, I'm like, I'm coming up for the week and I'm just going to like go into the study every day and write music. And I told my friends, I'm turning my phone off. I'm not going to be accessible and just really dedicated a week. And it was great. Like I wrote a song every day and that was because I had a tool, which I've spoken about before. I'll link the, um, the article I wrote about that in the show notes using the kind of guidance, asking for guidance on stuff and answering from a place of stillness or a place of inner wisdom. That process got me through the whole week. And because it's hard, like trying to sit there sometimes when, there's like today I'm feeling extremely irritable. Like I just broke the nozzle of the teapot that I love. It's my mum's beautiful teapot. And, you know, I don't know what that's got to do with what I'm saying. (laughs) I think it's just like when you're in these irritable moods, like emotions are moving through me. I might get frustrated or tired or just like, and in those moments, it's really easy to give up on what you're doing. But what I found that week, I was using this guidance method where I'd be like, I feel like shit. Like, what do I do next? And it would say like, go for a walk or go sit at the piano, keep playing or whatever. And I, I used that the whole week. Memory was the last song I wrote. And it was very much like, it just came so quickly. Like, it was like, the it wasn't me drawing on a past experience or there wasn't an idea in my head, it was more that I was open and the idea just came to me and through me. And I wrote the lyrics. I wrote the melody around the same time. Like you sort of do the lyrics. That was another question. Like, do you write the lyrics and the melody separately or together? It's sort of done at the same time, hand in hand. Um, You sort of start off with some chords and then that's like the bass, you know, the music under the song. And then you sort of start humming or singing gibberish. Well, this is how I do it. 
not gibberish, but just words that don't make sense um, to create a bit of a melody. And then you might end up with that gibberish. <laughs> a line might come that kind of starts to stick out. It's like, oh, I like that line. I'm going to write that one down. And then you kind of keep singing. The me- You're trying to find the melody. And then the idea, the f- there's a feeling to the melody and the idea sort of comes from a feeling place. And then the words sort of just flow out. And then once you start writing, this is when you're in the flow state, which happens quite a lot for me with songwriting. It just falls together very quickly. And I end up writing the lyrics. The story just comes out as I have my pen on the paper. It's not thinking like, what should I write next? It's just allowing whatever wants to come through to come through. And sometimes I edit a bit later, like usually I'll change a word or two, but it's funny how often it stays very similar to that initial rush of creativity that just comes through. And that's what I mean by channeling, because you're not, it's not just you, like there's something else at play in those moments. Anyone who creates would sort of understand this sense of it's bigger than you. And that's why I don't like taking credit for everything because it's like well it's me but it's not just me it sounds very woo woo but it's sort of just hard to explain and put into words it's like that flow state I'm sure there's a scientific way of explaining it but I don't know what that is so the story behind memory was about like again I didn't know the story I was as I was writing it and I did a first draft of a course a few years ago which was writing a novel and I wrote the first draft to a novel and what I discovered in that explained how this works you don't know the story until you finish writing the first draft you sort of just have to write anything just get it out whatever's coming through and then you read over it again and you're like oh I see what this is about (laughs) um it's like these are the ideas and there's lots of abstract ideas. You could look at it in different ways. So memory is sort of about there was this vision in my mind as I was singing it and writing it of a woman on a stage and then, you know, you're at a concert and everyone's got like their phone up filming the people on stage and you're looking at that person through the phone. You're not actually seeing them in real life. It was sort of around this disconnect and that's where the the first lines like record me, photograph me, document me. It's sort of just like are you capturing this moment because it's going to be gone and that's what I feel this sense of being on a phone is. With It's like, oh, I better capture the moment so I can replay it again and again and again and, and I have the memory but you're sort of missing the real experience by being behind the phone. You're not capturing the essence of the moment. So yeah, you've got something to replay again and again and again, but you're really not present in the moment. And it sort of then became a story of, you know, a relationship where there's been this night between a woman and a man and what could be a woman and a woman and a man or a man. That's the best thing about this stuff or whatever gender because it's up to the listener to take to the story what they want to take. But for me, my version of the story is that there's a woman and a man and they've spent a night together and as these amazing nights happen, like you have this very sensual night and then the days go by after and you're sort of lost in the reflection of that and remembering certain details, but then slowly, slowly, slowly 
the memory disappears and you start to even question, did that happen or was that real? And there's also sometimes a clinging to the memory and that's what it's sort of the metaphor too with the phone. You're like clinging to the memory through documenting something or trying to kind of hold on tightly to something where it wants to slip through your your fingers. So that was sort of what the song ended up meaning. But as I'm writing it, that meaning isn't there. You're just writing. The meaning comes later when you look back at what's come out. And then why did I use mirrors in the video? It was because it, the mirrors created a sense of confusion and um, the disorientation of what's real and what's not. Um, was it scary or exciting releasing your first song or both? And another question I might add on to that, which I remember from earlier when I was reading through them, was um, was yeah, what's been uh, sort of similar? I might just start by answering that question. I'm trying to answer too many questions at once. Scary or exciting releasing your first song. It's two sides of the same coin. And that's what I always say about nervousness. Like nervousness is excitement and excitement is nervousness. So there's always going to be both. Um, You can't have one without the other. And I think, you know, I used to really, and I still do, I hate that feeling of nervousness. Um, But would I prefer to feel nothing? Like that's a bit sad, isn't it? <laughs> to numb. But I think that's what we often do. We try and numb, and I definitely have. We try and numb the feeling so I can feel calm and peaceful. But nervousness and excitement, I definitely have, like in thinking about this, have tried to suppress those feelings in the past. I often find myself like wanting to get excited about something and sort of holding myself back and being like, don't get too excited. It's like, why not? So I think, yeah, like I think I actually have been suppressing that even with the release of this song. People are super excited for me and I look at them and I'm like, I'm not feeling as excited as you are. <laughs> like it's maybe it's just because I don't know. I wasn't scared or excited at the release day. It was more this very much this action of this needs to be done and I'm doing it. But within the process, there was lots of fear and a lot of excitement. But in terms of the actual release and the day you put it out there, actually, that was a good day. It felt like my birthday because everyone was messaging me and calling me and being very sweet. So that was exciting. But I think that's very um, um, – it's, it's very – those feelings pass very quickly and there's a lot of change happening all the time and it's trying – like sometimes it's like, oh, the excitement's gone, now I'm just bored again. It's like, no, things don't last. Like things are – I forget what the word I'm trying to find here. Um. Yeah, so it's just like allowing for me if there's fear or excitement or both. I don't. I try not to pay too much attention to to the feelings, um, because they're just constantly changing, aren't they? That was a bit of a strange answer. <laughs> so, oh yeah, this is the other one I wanted to add to it. What does it mean to you to finally be creating music? 
and having such a, a long break between studies and now, has that made it harder to do the music or has maturity made it easier? Yeah. So first of all, it's interesting because I think I've languaged this too. Like, oh, I've returned to my music after so many years and what took me so long and blah, blah, blah. But really, I've always been doing it. I just haven't been showing it. I've never stopped writing music or listening to music. You know, it just ebbs and flows. There's moments where I don't sing for a long time, like maybe three or four months and then I'll sing a lot or there'll be times when you know I'm not writing as much I think before I used to have this mindset that if I wasn't doing music constantly it meant I wasn't doing it and I wasn't committed and I questioned my yeah I questioned myself because I wasn't constantly consistently doing it so I've always been, it's not like I'm finally creating music. I'm finally sharing music and I have been sharing the whole time as well. (laughs) Like some people listening to this podcast, some people that I share with will be like, oh yeah, Jess has consistently sent me stuff over the years. It's more that I'm sharing it in a public space now and doing it. Yeah. Sharing it more publicly. And what does that mean? Um, it means that there's more bullshit around it essentially (laughs) because yeah, it's like when you're sort of just sharing it with friends or doing it for yourself, it's really just quite sacred. When you start putting it into a public space, this is where the numbers come in and where are you going with this and what's next and growing an audience and doing videos and it's really important to me to keep it all super authentic and not get caught up in the weird commercialization of art because I understand why that's important. Like commercializing things is what enables sharing it and for it to reach people. But there's also a whole lot of shit that gets in the way, the same way as Instagram was was created to connect with people and now there's all this other crap that gets in the way. So it's just about keeping an eye on that stuff. Um, And having a long break between study, did it make it harder? No, because when you study something for ages, and it's not even about studying music, it's just about, you don't, I'm really not elitist with that. Like I think some people, you know, think that if you're classically trained or have studied that you're somehow more skilled or better as a musician, I would disagree because I I feel music is first and foremost self-expression. So whether I studied it or not, I guess it makes me more confident because I understand how things work a bit better and there's not then the limited belief around, oh, I don't get this and that's why I can't do it. So sometimes I feel people use that they haven't studied as a block to practice, like to, to practicing or expressing. Like you don't actually need, to do anything in terms of study like you can just start and then each step will just open and will take you to the next step and sometimes you might then go and do a bit of research or study but it's sort of like yeah the question I'm sort of going off track but has maturity made it easier to do this now 100% because I feel like approaching my music at 34 publicly is like I've just got my head screwed on a lot better at this age and I think I can healthily 
handle all the other stuff, like the bullshit, which I just said, I can sort of not get um, lost in those ideas. Um, do I want to perform again? Have I missed performing? Yes, I have missed it. And yes, I want to perform again. <laughs> performing was always like my favorite thing. And but then writing my own original original music became more important than performing. So it's taken me, what, a very long time to get that sorted. So now I can begin performing again. And another question around that was, um, oh, this person, sorry. It was around like I, from a very early age, I didn't want to do covers. Like why was that? It's the same sort of... Um, concept when I came out of university I didn't want to do cover gigs not because I didn't like singing covers I love singing covers it was because I didn't like the um the fact that and this happened to me a few times when I did covers gigs people come up and they treat you like a jukebox it's like can you play this song can you sing this song oh I like they start giving like critique and feedback on how they think you should be and it's very much like that sort of entertainment is very much a conversation between audience and performer and you're performing for the audience's entertainment and you're employed by a venue to entertain people. So you basically have to give the people what they want. And I don't approach music that way. I never have. It's always been I will stand on a stage or I will sing here in – the way I need to sing right now, whatever that may be. And you either like it or you don't. <laughs> and I don't want to conform to some like um, expectation of delivering to an audience because I think that also really, and I see this a lot with cover, like cover acts and stuff. It sort of waters down everything too, because we're all trying to almost please the audience when I, th I would say the audience wants to be kind of surprised a little bit too and see something authentic. So I just didn't like covers for that reason, like cover gigs for that reason because I just felt like I would be – this is my own personal opinion of it because I don't just enjoy singing on a stage. Some people love getting up and playing an instrument or singing and just expressing themselves through the instrument, which I think is so beautiful. I don't like – singing has to it's very specific to what I'm playing and the song and if I connect to that song or not and if I'm not connected to the song or the experience or the the atmosphere of the room I just shut down and it's almost like it's not fun at all I prefer not to do it um okay so how do you overcome the moments when you're not feeling creative when I'm not feeling creative, I don't think I'm ever not feeling, I guess it's not about feeling creative because I, like I said, I, I put creativity into like everything I do. It's more like if I maybe don't feel like working on specific projects. So for example, if I don't feel like doing a project that I'm working on or if I don't feel like turning up to my music or something, what do I do? I allow that I don't force myself to do creative work if I'm not feeling it anymore so I just find like this happens quite a bit with my writing piece I do every month 
I'll sit there and I'm like, oh, great, I've got to send it out in three days. I've always been someone to leave things to the last minute because that way I don't overthink it and I don't become a perfectionist about it. Um, and often what happens is I try and write it and it's really like I'm not feeling I'm not feeling it. I can just tell. And I don't – I try. sometimes I do. Sometimes I sit there and I try and persist and it never goes well. <laughs> um, I think it's worth trying but what I've learned is, no, nope, it's not the time – put it aside and you can come back to it tomorrow. Go and do something that's nice for yourself right now. So I'll go for a walk or rest or do something fun. And then usually what happens or every time the next day when I'm feeling more refreshed and more light, I'll write it and it will just come out so quickly and easily like that flow state again. And it's like, why would I labor and resist this icky feeling and push through it when I can just do something nice for myself and come back when I'm feeling better and um, it just flow out effortlessly like that's sort of a no-brainer once you've done it a few times you sort of get into the swing of it um what would you say is the core quality you need to possess to fully honor your inner musician and why core quality you need to possess to fully honor your inner musician that would just be honesty um because sometimes when you're right I remember I got a really oh, this is another question which I'll answer right now what's the piece or what's the best piece of advice you've ever received I can't choose one best piece of advice because there's many but this was a good one um I remember my old English teacher, Kirsty from AIM, after reading my poetry and giving me the most beautiful feedback, she said to me, write honestly, like this is so simple. I'm not going to say it as well as she did, but it was like, write as honestly as you can, as, un- as uncomfortable as that may feel. And that's what vulnerability is. And I've spoken about this since with a few other mentors and things and a recent writing mentor said to me, when you read back your piece, you often see where you're holding back on giving more information because it's scary to talk about something or it's a bit personal or it's a bit, oh, what will people think of me? And then when you see that, you go to that and you explore that further. That's where the gold is. (laughs) So I think in moments where it feels like this very question and answer podcast feels so, like I said, self-indulgent and where I feel myself wanting to shy away and pull back, that's where I go and I push myself to do it. And because I know the reasons I would limit myself is because of this mind stuff that who do you think you are doing this? No one gives a fuck what you have to say. Um, you know, whatever, whatever the <laughs> the voice says. And that voice comes up with everything. It'll also come up with your music. So the core quality you need to possess to fully honor your inner musician is to allow yourself to, to show up and to be honest and to just do it without um, and, and honestly uh, and being really, really honest, even if that's uncomfortable and there may be repercussions or people might think you're full of yourself or whatever. So, yeah, there's that one. Um, How has your creative practice evolved over time? 
it's gone from self <laughs> let's say self-hatred it's not that intense it's gone from like being super self-critical to being a lot more um I don't know if I'm at playful yet like I'd love to say oh it's a really playful but I'm not I'm still take things too seriously um it's gone from being self-critical to being accepting, I think. That's a better way of saying it. I'm accepting myself. And that is like accepting that I'm not someone who can sit there and work all day long every day. That's just not who I am. I've always been the same. Like I've always been the person to think on things and be inspired and sort of I remember doing my HSC and a friend saying to me, it's not fair, like you literally leave everything to the last minute and then you get a really good mark, like you get the best mark in the class, but you did it on the train to school. And it's like, but I'm not, like it might look like it's all happening at the last minute, but there's a lot happening in the inspiration and self-care part. And all of that stuff leads to being able to sit there, get into a flow state and just effortlessly let it pour out because you've spent time filling up the cup. Um, so I trust that now. I trust that I don't have to sit down for periods of time every day and force myself to work, that if I continue to look after myself really well and enjoy my life and go and live my life – that the creative stuff will just happen in a way that's really effortless and fun. And that's, I'm allowing that. And it's still hard because obviously culturally we're taught that hard work um, is important and we're lazy if we don't work hard. I still, I still work hard. In, actually, no, I hate that. I don't work hard. I work easy. <laughs> and I, I, I want to like claim that. I'm not why, why should we spend so much time slaving away? It's like if we can do things better, I've always been of the work smart, not hard. But it's sort of like you can get something really beautiful. So make it I was to write one good song this week and that's all I did. Why can't that be enough? Why do I also need to do this and this and this and this and this? And often when I try and do too much at once, um everything sort of is more stressful. The, the way I show up to the work is a lot different. Like the other day I answered this like interview thing that um, I'm doing with someone and I spent like oh, probably three or four hours on it. I was like, oh my God, that took so long. But I was like, but I enjoyed it. I really took my time and I was very present and it flowed out. That's the feeling I want to bring to everything. I don't want to be rushing through things to get to the next thing. So yeah, that's how it's evolved in one way. Um, yeah, there's self-criticism. I used to literally sit down and be like, this is shit. What are you doing? And I hear that from a lot of people. They're sort of, well, I'm not good at it. Or like you, you, you have to start somewhere and it's about being kind to yourself with where you're starting and to still see the beauty. Even if it's like you're writing a poem and only a sentence is beautiful, it's still a sentence of beauty. Like see what has worked rather than constantly criticizing what's not working um okay what else I'm just really flying through these I will finish up in a minute I'm just checking 
Did I answer this? What has been the easiest, hardest part of taking this path? The easiest part is because um, it feels like so much fun. <laughs> it's like every day it's like, oh, I get to do this. It's so exciting. Like how awesome is my life that my work is doing this? So that's easy. The hardest part is um, the overwhelm that can happen and the feeling of not doing enough all the time. And that's something I'm still working on. It's around allowing there to be space and in that spaciousness actually comes a lot of beautiful creative ideas and then allowing life to sort of take the lead. I was journaling about that this morning. I'm like, I'm going to stop pushing so much. I was talking to someone yesterday and they said they're about to start pushing again. They've had two years of not doing much, being more receptive and guided by life. And it sounds like it's going really well for them. But they're like, I want to experiment again with putting my foot on, you know, pushing a little bit and seeing what happens. And I was like, cool, I'm going to do the exact opposite. (laughs) This is what I was thinking after I met with them. I was like, I need to do the opposite. I need to stop pushing and do less, which feels so wrong. Like when you've got so many things to do, it feels so wrong to do less, but it's actually what's needed because in the space, the important things and the priorities start to come into focus and all the other stuff sort of falls away. Um, Okay, I think I'm almost finished. I'll just wrap up with this last one. What are your future plans, immediate and long-term? Will you keep working mostly independently or form a band? And then another question, which is similar. If you were to jump ahead 10 years, what would self-division have done? So this is a good question because there's the balance in life of like vision. So I'm always someone who does have a vision and that, I guess, that purpose is what keeps me going. But it can also be a hindrance at times because I feel the pressure of the gap between where I am now and where I want to be or where my vision is and it takes me out of the present moment so my plans for this year I'm releasing my second single polarity in July so I'm going to do another music video for that the song's almost finished with the producer um I'm releasing an EP later in the year and I'll start performing then And then I'd love to just keep expanding in terms of performing. I'd love to travel with my music. I'd love to be performing in really beautiful places. That's what I imagine myself doing, like performing in really interesting, beautiful stages at interesting events Um, in nature. How awesome would that be to have like, I've always had this idea of two ideas. One having like a concert in the middle of the woods. So you walk through the woods, there's like a path with fairy lights or whatever, candles, and there's a stage in the middle of a clearing and just having like an amazing gig there. Or this is my like one of my favourite ideas, having a gig in a graveyard. Like how cool would that be? I'm a little bit like taken by graveyards. (laughs) It's a bit weird. I think it's just because I love the silence and the peace, but... When I go to Clavelli Graveyard, I always imagine like how cool would it be at night to have like a rock concert or an electronic music concert here. So yeah, just to be 
performing in really beautiful, interesting spaces um, and to share, to continue writing and sharing music that I really love and respond to. Um, I'd never want to be releasing something for the sake of it, obviously. It's always going to be stuff that really interests me. There was another question too. Why did I choose electronic music? Um, I've always known I wanted to do electronic music. Radiohead's my biggest influence and Tom York. And I love their, I've always loved their mix between like the more, you know, traditional rock band setup of the acoustic, you know, the drums and the bass and the guitar and the piano, but the way they've produced it and mixed in so many electronic elements, that's always really been the sound that I've loved and um, the mix between like the old and the new. And I chose electronic music because there's this energy to it that I love. Um, The vibrational energy I get from it. And it's similar to like rock music or something. Like I love so many different genres, but there's something about the way electronic music sounds. It's so hard to explain. Like the way a synth can sound so dramatic the same way a guitar could sound or the way, you know, it's just really cutting. I love edgy sounds and I think there's just so many things to play with in the electronic music realm. Um, Another question I had was like, have I enjoyed producing and the collaboration around that? I did a production course last year, but I've really noticed like I want to spend most of my energy on the songwriting the sound design a little bit and the performance and continue collaborating with producers for them to do the nitty gritty and the mixing and the mastering and helping with the production concept just because it's a lot. It's a lot of work and I love also collaborating with people because they've obviously got a whole lot of skills and experience and vision that I have, uh, sorry, that I don't have, they're bringing to the table. So yeah, electronic music's definitely my vibe. But yeah, I could just as easily go and, you know, I used to sing a lot of PJ Harvey and stuff, which is guitar. I love that too, but I've always wanted to perform more electronic. So yeah, that's, that's it. That's 49 minutes. Okay. That took longer than I thought. Um, you know, I hope that was helpful in some way with your own creative practice, whatever that may be. Um, I think sometimes just hearing someone speak on what they're doing, it just, I don't know, for me, there's something to that that I always get something out of. So I hope it has been in some way supportive. And thank you for listening. Thanks so much for listening. If you'd like to check out my music and continue to follow my creative journey, you can head on over to my Instagram page, Self Division Music. 